We're going to start in John 13. And I'm going to go back just a little bit and give a little bit of context. Um, So I'm going to start in 31 and finish out this chapter. And then I think we're going a little bit past into 14 too. So John 13, 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay my life down for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. If you guys remember, um, this is just after Judas left the upper room. Um, So it's kind of a weird time for the 11 disciples that are left up in the upper room. They're wondering what's really going on, and Jesus gives them this new commandment. And then this whole dialogue between Jesus and Peter happens. Uh, Peter is the brash, uh, self-assured disciple, and he just combats what Jesus says. Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? Uh, If anybody's like me, sometimes I read the word of God and I think I'm the exception. And I think that's what Peter's thinking right here is Jesus makes this blanket statement and Peter says, no, not me. I will follow you. I will follow you to the end. Uh, The gospel of Mark goes into it just a little bit more um, in detail. Mark 14, verse 26 through 31. I got to go to it. Sorry. Mark 14, 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away from me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. Uh, Here we just see a little bit more of that that brash uh, desire to follow Jesus to the end. Uh, and in the upper room, this is a kind of quiet evening. They're all eating a meal together. It's really easy to say, I will follow you to the end. And then we see in the garden, it's a little bit more hostile. We have the guards, the Romans coming out of nowhere and Judas leading them. And then it said, and then they all said the same. But then later on, we see that they all fled. 
Jesus knew this, and he loved them. Um, he was very patient with them. He knew what uh, Peter was going to say. And he also knew that Peter would remain faithful later on. So, in John 14, 1, continuing on, said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Uh, we know what's going to happen to Jesus. I'm pretty sure most of us are familiar with the story of the crucifixion. It's a gruesome, uh, emotionally charged, just wreaks havoc on anybody who reads about it. And he says, let your hearts not be troubled. Uh, For me, when I look at this, that's really hard to do. I mean, we were talking about Thomas here and now. Um, He's in a crazy situation this morning. And I think that has uh, a same message here of let your hearts not be troubled. Uh, We have to believe in God, and we have to believe also in Jesus, and that there is a great plan that he has for us. He has this plan that has eternal value for us. There will be things in our lives that, tribulations and trials, that sometimes make no sense to us, and Jesus has an eternal perspective And we have to trust him in that. We have to recognize that we are here, we are now, and he is in the past, the present, the future. He knows all things, and he prescribes all things. Let let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. Um, Do you guys ever read commentaries? Because I do. And sometimes they put things in a perspective and say it in so many words that is just uh, beyond my ability. So I'm going to go ahead and quote a commentary for you guys. said, what divine simplicity and death are in these words. They carry us up into the unseen world and beyond time, and yet a little child can lay hold on them, and mourning hearts and dying men find peace and sweetness in them. A very familiar image underlies them. It was customary for travels in those old days to send some of their party on in advance, to find lodging and make arrangements for them in some great city. Many a time, one or another of the disciples had been sent before his face into every place where he himself should go. On that very morning, two of them had come in to the city at his bidding from Bethany to make ready the table at which they were now sitting. Christ here takes that office upon himself, the emblem of homely. The thing meant is transcendent. Not less wonderful is the blending of majesty and lowliness. The office which he takes upon himself is that of an inferior, and a servant, yet the discharge of it, in the present case, implies his authority over all corners of the universe. His immortal life and the sufficiency of his presence to make a heaven. Nor can we fail to notice the blending of another pair of opposites, his certainty of his impending death and his certainty, notwithstanding, of his continual work and his final return are inseparably inseparably interlaced here. 
How comes it that in all his premonitions of his death, Jesus never spoke about it as a failure or as an interruption or an end of his activity, but always as the transition to and the condition of his wider work? I go, and if I go, I return and take you to myself. So here, commentator lays out, Jesus has an eternal plan, eternal perspective. And the disciples are about to go through the situation of seeing their teacher and their best friend um, taken from them. And Jesus tells them, do not let it get to your heart. You need to have joy. You need to have understanding that I am God. I am above the situation that you see in the here and now, and I have a plan. And this plan is going to take you to greater things and greater joy and what we call eternal life. Where Peter is always so assured and confident, Thomas has the reputation for having doubts. Doubting Thomas is what they call him. I find myself relating to Thomas a lot, too, because if there are questions, I always want to know what's going on. Why is it this way? Here in John 14, verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? If anybody has questions of the Lord, it's very important to realize that he is patient with you and loves you and will answer those questions. In our scripture, with a fellowship, sometimes through the pastor, Rory's given me so many answers in his, uh, in his preaching. And the word is just, this is the word of God. And so many people take it so lightly. Continuing on, says in verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas is uh, wondering geographically where Jesus is going. He's wondering, all right, what path do I take to follow you? And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the path. The path that you are to take is a path of your lifestyle and following after my actions and following my commandments. Jesus told them just in verse 31, just before this, the new commandment, And they're so worried about losing him physically that they forget the spiritual ramifications that he's trying to impart to them, saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Now, I think the I am the way is the main point here, and I am the truth, and I am the life, support the fact that Jesus is the way. Anybody know that uh, right after Jesus' crucifixion, the, the disciples didn't actually call themselves Christians. They reported themselves as followers of the way. In Acts 9, Saul is talking. Acts 9, 2, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. I think as Americans, uh, the term Christian has a lot of um, 
has a lot of implications that we might not strictly adhere to. A lot of people are, I'm an American, of course I'm a Christian. I grew up here and I believe the Bible, I've quoted it in my Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, the way kind of denotes something a little bit more um, tantamount, something that carries you through life, depicts a path. And Jesus lays it out and says, I am the path, follow after my ways, and you will find the Father. He says, I am the Father, and the Father is me. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> World's fastest sermon, right? Um, I don't know. I think, I think there are so many simple statements that are made. Um, just the quibby Christian verses. We see them on coffee mugs. We see them on posters. And they lose a lot of their depth because they're so normal. They're so familiar to us. Uh, I'd like to take just a little bit of time. Um, they didn't tell me this, but I wanted to do it anyways. I did, we didn't do communion yet, did we? Yeah. Uh, let's take just a minute. Can I get the worship team to come up? And I want to take just extra time, maybe one or two songs, to reflect on this statement. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way. What does that mean for the disciples then? As they are late after dinner with Jesus up, on, uh, up in the little room. And they're about to lose their teacher and their best friend. And he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And how does this relate to you here and now on this Mildly warm compared to a couple weeks ago day. Um, is he the way for you? Do you go through your life and ask, what truth about Jesus is being reflected in me? So you guys know Jesus was the perfect embodiment of who God is. As far as the human condition goes, the way that Jesus lived his life is what we are to look for and how we are to live our life. And our best recorded history of that is in the Bible. It's the truth. And through that, we gain eternal life. So as we uh, come up for communion, we, uh, I'm, we always think about the cross and the blood and the flesh. Um, but also think about just John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's go to Jesus and spend that time reflecting on that truth. I'll give you guys uh, one more quote to think about as we're going through this next song. It says, he sets forth his unique relation to the truth as being one ground on which he is the way to God. He is the truth in reference to divine nature. That truth, then, is not a mere matter of words. It is not only a speech that teaches us, but himself that shows us God. His whole life and character, his personality, are the true representation within human condition of the invisible God. 
And when he says, I am the way and the truth, he is saying substantially the same thing as the great prologue of this gospel says when it calls him the word and the light of men. And as Paul says when he names him the image of the invisible God, there is all the difference between talking about God and showing him through you. Men reveal God by their words. Christ reveals him by himself. And the truest and highest representation of the divine nature that men can ever have is in the face of Christ. Just end with uh, that great Christian passage that you see so many times. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thanks, guys. Have a blessed week.